The peace of Christ be with you all, wherever you are. And I encourage you to turn to those around you, if you have someone nearby, and say that to them, the peace of Christ be with you. Or you can turn to someone uh, by emailing them or texting them, whatever you want to do, just to pass the peace of Christ. As we begin in our passage this morning, I'm thinking of the musical Fiddler on the Roof. And I love that musical. And for those that don't know what the story is about, it is about a family um, in Russia in 1905, a Jewish family in a small rural village. And it really focuses on the father, Tevya, who's the milkman in town. He has five daughters, which is not a great thing for a Jewish, traditional Jewish family. And the big issue throughout the storyline is who they are going to marry. And according to tradition, it's the matchmaker who figures out who to recommend and takes that uh, recommendation to the father, and then the father is the decision maker. So the very eldest daughter, who is Zeidel, uh, they make a match for her, but she's actually in love with the tailor, a model, and they have already pledged their love to one another a year earlier, and so she begs her father to let her marry model. And he, the father, even though tradition says that it should be the matchmaker's match, not their match, he yields um, and stretches away from the tradition. Then the second daughter, Hoddle, who is... Um, she falls in love with the tutor, Perchik. And instead of coming to the father and asking permission to marry Perchik, the two of them come to Tevya and tell him that they've decided they're going to get married. And they aren't asking his permission, they're asking for his blessing. And once again, he wrestles and wrestles because this is not what the tradition is. But he thinks about it, he sees once again how they love each other, and so he yields and stretches away from the tradition. Then the third daughter, Havala, falls in love with a local Russian man in the village who is outside the faith. And they come to Tevya and ask for his blessing or for his permission or acceptance, actually, and at this point, it's just too much. It's going too far that uh, she would be absolutely unacceptable to marry somebody outside the faith. So he refuses, and he cries out, and he says, how can I give up everything that I believe in? If I bend this far, I will break. I think of this story as we prepare ourselves to hear the passage in Acts 15, because the same tension is building in this book. The Holy Spirit is pushing, pushing, pushing down the boundaries. Jesus, very Jewish, circumcised, formed and following the Torah, the law of Moses, and so were all of his disciples, circumcised and people of the book. And now his risen spirit is pushing them pushing them out of their prayer room at the beginning of the book to be speaking intimately in other language with the inter international community, pushing them further toward the despised Samaritans who become believers. And then there's a little story that we aren't in in our series, but it's a fascinating story about how Philip is plucked up and taken to an Ethiopian eunuch 
a eunuch who was a castrated male set apart for serving women in a royal court, yet he's not allowed in the temple because of that, and yet the Holy Spirit comes to him, he's baptized, he becomes the temple. So pushing, pushing, pushing. And then last week in Acts chapter 10, we have this very dramatic story about Peter and Cornelius coming together. It's obviously Jew-Gentile in a dramatic way that would never have happened except for the fact that it's God who's the matchmaker, bringing Jew and Gentile together as one. Of course, the Gentiles had always been welcome to the faith, but they had to become Jewish first. So now with Cornelius, they didn't. The Holy Spirit just comes upon him. And then after that, Paul and Barnabas are out preaching the good news and Gentiles are coming to the faith who know nothing about the Jewish covenant or the law of Moses. It's just getting to that breaking point. No, no, no further. So there's a faction that comes up from Jerusalem to Antioch where Paul and Barnabas are. Argue with them telling them you're giving away the very essence of who we are. So with that background, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we can listen to Acts 15. Let's pray. God, we want to hear your life-giving word, your life-changing word in Jesus Christ, so that we, we pray then for the Holy Spirit to come upon us, open us up to what you are saying to us this day. Amen. All right. Acts 15, verses 1 through 21, listen to God's word to you. Then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church, and as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary for them to be circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, my brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, he has made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets 
As it is written, after this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen. From its ruins I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that all other peoples may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Therefore, I have reached the decision that we should not trouble those Gentiles who are turning to God, but we should write to them to abstain only from things polluted by idols and from fornication and from whatever has been strangled and from blood. For in every city, for generations past, Moses has had those who proclaim him, for he has been read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So we have a huge controversy, and there are the two factions. There is the one group that insisted, unless you are circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, you need to become Jews first. And then there is the other group, those who had watched the Gentiles already get saved without becoming Jews first. The Holy Spirit just fell upon them. So why would this added yoke be put into the picture? So these two factions, they arrived in Jerusalem hopelessly divided, and yet they walked away by the end of the chapter of one mind. That's amazing. They worked through this intense uh, controversy, their differences, and yet they remain together in Christ. No small matter. How did they do that? God's grace. God's grace. You know, I actually preached on this passage 20 years ago. Do you remember it? Yeah, me neither. But I looked it up, and I was looking at the graces that I ended up naming in that sermon that helped them work through this amazing controversy. These graces appealing to the larger body of Christ, listening to differing voices, looking for signs of the Holy Spirit, acting in accordance with Scripture. We see how they are at work in this story in Acts 15. They, they had these different locations of where the church was at work. And the church in Antioch, where this controversy, this debate was going on with Paul and Barnabas and the Pharisees from Jerusalem, was so intense, they weren't getting anywhere, so they went to the mother church in Jerusalem for discernment. The leaders, instead of speaking first, they let the others speak first. If they had spoken first, it would have shut down the listening. Yet we read in verse 12, the whole assembly kept silence and listen to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. And then they just told these stories, story after story of how the Holy Spirit came upon them, just came upon the Gentiles, not waiting for them to become Jews. God was doing a new thing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then at the end, James stands up and he cites Scripture, which is our authority. And yet it's not always clear. So the interesting thing here is that for James to speak to this issue, the scriptures with which he was familiar really wouldn't have said anything about this new thing that the Spirit of God was doing, not directly in the law of Moses. And everybody 
supposedly expected him to be more traditional in his approach, including hearing him talk about Simeon uh, using his traditional name, Peter. But he actually quotes the Hebrew prophets and the larger purposes of God that are at work in this story. His conclusion? God brought Jews and Gentiles equally to the table, joined them together as one. And because they are at the table together, the only guidelines they're given are the very things that will help them be at the table together so that the offensive practices of the Gentiles in pagan temples were set aside so that they could be together in Christ. Gentiles were not saved by circumcision, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these two very different factions arrived hopelessly divided, and then they left united in Jesus Christ. What Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof was convinced would actually bend him so far that he would break, and all of them as God's people, it didn't break the early church. They were led through this very important crossroads toward a new way of being God's people, Jew and Gentile together, equally together. Thanks to the graces, the grace of God leading them through this systemic change, literally, with the gifts of the larger body of Christ, the church, listening to differing voices, hearing how the Holy Spirit was at work, and hearing God's purposes revealed in the biblical story. When we were talking about this passage in my small group last week and thinking about how this applied to controversies in the church today, the obvious illustration that came up among the group members was how the church has been working through and debating the full inclusion of the LGBTQ community. There have been two factions, if you will, probably more than that,